0: Look, I've learned that once we start <laughs> talking, we need to hit record. Or we're going to miss the, like, the fun parts, right?
1: This is the fun part, everyone. Yeah. So Jen and I are talking about, one, she looks fantastic. So way to go, Jen. Way to go. She's, uh... Y'all, Jen is a fiend who strives for premium quality everything. No surprise. And... um so she's figured out how to use her nicer camera and now I have your exact camera in my shopping cart and I'm like
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well um also I was fine listening to podcasts that had like kind of amateur sound until we started recording and now like everything on Spotify makes me like enraged I'm like why did you not equalize your sound like you've been doing this for 400 episodes. Why have you not fixed your sound yet? Like we're on 15 and I can't stand our sound and I'm trying to fix it. So yeah,
1: I have not great ears. Like my ears are always like full of stuff and it's hard for me to hear. That's one of the reasons I like scream everything I say, I think.
0: But, um,
1: (laughs) that means I listen to podcasts turned up like in my car. And when a podcast audio isn't like equalized, I literally can't listen to it yeah. because it like the louder person like hurts my ears and I freak out, like jump every time they come on. So um I have always felt like it was at least important to try our best, but I don't know. I think our quality definitely has gotten better and better. So I haven't watched episode one in a long time. I feel like if I went back to it now, I would be.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and we're still learning, right? Like we're still nailing mm-hmm. that. Hopefully our sound will be pretty well equalized today. But for me, it's the, lo- it's the podcasts that are like one person, like their intro will be one volume. And then mm-hmm. they're like, they recorded at a different, fo- I'm like, it's just you though. It's just you and your dog. like. Why are you deafening me? <laughs> um, but to answer your question from before we hit go, um, I do feel like my style has changed as a designer. And I told you this story before, but people used to be really mean to me about what I would wear. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically, I had to go through some emails once from some people who were separated from employment to pick out like critical work product and um I was in HR that's why I had to do it and like half of their emails were just about how much they hated me and how much my fashion sucked so (gasps) I oh my goodness have I not told you this story it was awful it was that is like so heartbreaking
1: and a nightmare (laughs) to me also to have to read all of the emails from people who hate me although I guess that I (laughs) often do get to do that (laughs)
0: I mean, it did make my skin a little thicker, but mm-hmm. also, uh, I want to go to them and be like, well, now I design clothes. So, I mean, maybe one day you'll be able to somehow, <laughs> maybe Instagram, will be like, JP
1: Knits Things, who, you know, is on Instagram.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so I have, um, imposter syndrome about looking fashionable right and so every time i tell you i think this is the trend know that i'm overcoming years of conditioning (laughs) to make a prediction about fashion and it's not just like in my head either it's like real people have been like you suck at this so maybe don't. well but like
1: okay here's the question jen real people like boring real uncreative people because they never think we
0: look that good no at least one of these people was extremely cool (laughs) Don't make me cry. I'm wearing mascara.
1: <laughs> um, it was good delivery. <laughs> that was good delivery. Yep. Made me laugh at you. <laughs> but, you know, maybe they were cool on the outside. Doesn't sound like they were cool on the inside, Jen. That's all I'm Well, a lot say. of it has
0: been academic too, right? Like, I've learned about color from you. Uh, I've learned a lot about fashion from our friend Julie Robinson, right? So mm-hmm.
1: it's,
0: it's, a, it's a learned skill. I mean... Yeah, but it also illustrates that, like,
1: people are mean a lot because there's absolutely zero reason to say one single fucking thing about what someone's wearing in a work environment unless they're showing up, like, completely topless. You know? Which I did not do. I am positive you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your bathing suit is a tankini. You Thank didn't you. show up topless. Thank you.
0: <laughs> How do you think you developed <laughs> your sense of style?
1: Um, the Moxie girl catalogs and the Delia catalogs when I was like 11 years old and really wanted to be, um, like my cool babysitter. I had a cool babysitter who would like sing meatloaf in the car, like Tracy Chapman, you know, when I was a little kid and she always dressed like you know, it was like the early nineties. So it was like a grunge. She was a grunge chick. She had the flannels. So I initially was really drawn into being like a cool skater girl. And then I think that because I've never been, not never, but it's been a really long time since I've been in a situation where I like even had a dress code, right. That I've had a lot of freedom to just experiment with what I like and with, things that I see other people wearing that I'm like, that's really cool. And then trying to copy them. Um, and that's what I've done most of my life. But I also pair like the aesthetic I like with like, what is the extremely comfortable version of that? Because I have also really learned that like, I do not have the bandwidth for anything that isn't comfortable. So The older I get, like the less I wear any kind of jeans or pants really at all, unless I'm like maybe going to like, I don't know, some weekend at the park thing with the kids. Um, But usually I'm in like a dress or a skirt and it's just, it's just gone from there. Uh, When I run into people who knew me in art school, they tell me that I dress and look exactly the same that I did then. But I swear that my hair is a lot better. And I have way more tattoos, so I don't believe them.
0: And your clothes <laughs> fit better because now you make them. <laughs> and my clothes fit better.
1: Well, I feel like in the last couple of years, I am better dressed than I really ever have been since I learned more about fit and how to like create garments that fit me really well. It makes me feel like I'm better dressed than I ever have been. So I think being a designer allows us to reach some sort of pinnacle of our style or being a maker in general, right? Where like the deeper you get into the craft, the more skill you have to make modifications, the more you can really find some amazing expression. Like there are so many people in in Instagram who do an incredible job of that.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, like the more you can find a nitpick about your own work. (laughs) Yeah. So we were just saying, uh, (laughs) H&H, right? America's, mm-hmm. which is a knitting trade show. And one of the things that, and it was in Chicago, it was two weeks ago. Um, we both got airplane crud. So this was our first time back together. Mm-hmm. Um, and if y'all were wondering, I did not cry when I met Bess. Um, no. <laughs> even though she rolled her rollerball right over my foot. So we yeah. both. Uh,
1: <laughs> no, I want to tell that story. Okay. <laughs> so... Listen, I am a meet for the first time at the airport kind of girl. I've been making friends on the internet a long time. And um, I often romanticize the moment of like, we're going to get to meet and we're going to hug. It's going to be so great and perfect. You know, Jen and I are close, obviously. So um, it it has a more special feeling. Very much like when I met my internet boyfriend for the first time in Minnesota. (gasps) except it's all platonic but it had that same level of like super excitement and so naturally i like am running up to jen to hug her and i tripped and i like threw my wheelie suitcase like down the way and then i fell into her arms like a clumsy child and that was um that was our first hug
0: it was wonderful it was perfect wouldn't change a thing about it (laughs) it was very us it was very us um (laughs) and it was a lot of fun. I mean, the whole week was a lot of fun. I know one of the things that I was interested in while I was there is kind of looking at some of the trends and not just the trends and what we're seeing in knitwear. So H&H is for all crafts, um, but some of the ways in which other crafts touch on knitting and other forms of fiber arts and making like crochet, and Tunisian crochet. I am trying Mm -hmm. to correct my knitting bias. I don't, crochet or Tunisian crochet, but I do want to make sure that we're doing our best to include those makers when we talk about garment construction out of things made from yarn. Um, Well, listen, I love crochet. I am in no way an expert, but if you're
1: a crochet person, please let us know. I have crocheted garments. I love it. I just don't, I haven't crocheted a garment from a designer that I would say is like super fit focused. And I would love if there are any listeners who are like, I know who that designer is. Please tell me because I love me a good crocheted top. And I want to know who's, who's like doing the best work in that, um, yeah, Avena. Yeah. yeah, let us know.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that was, um, popping out for me a lot, of course it's, it's spring, right? It's June. So we're starting to think mm-hmm. about fall. So there's a lot of fall colors. I was noticing um, a lot of muted and colors with a lot of brown undertones. In the past years, I feel like we've seen really crisp, really saturated tones um, mm-hmm. raspberries, uh, uh, peacock blues. And this year, I'm seeing a lot more heathering, um, a lot more forest muted um, yeah. kind of tones. So a little bit less saturated. A, mm-hmm, a lot of grayish. A lot of grayish. Yeah. Yeah. And also a lot of long garments. So knee length cardigans. I think you missed the boat on this year for that uh, bulky wee garter stitch <laughs> cardigan. I'm just going to make that for myself for Christmas because
1: I just sure. like don't believe in its ability to be the best design,
0: you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Legitimate. I want to wear a wearable blanket. So we'll see. We'll see. Everyone. Yeah. So longer things, knitted dresses. Um I feel like I saw a lot more finer gauge yarns, which excites me. And of course we know that we're going to see a lot of intarsia this, um, in the, in the 24, the 23, 24 season.
1: Yeah. I saw some really cool intarsia stuff. I also saw really interesting uses of holding two yarns together, like to create color work by holding two yarn together in one area and not in another. And that was like super cool. Um, and I got to meet in person a lot of the, uh, like, not just reps, but even, like, the owners and founders of some of the companies that I really, really respect and have loved for a long time. So this was my first year going to H&H. I was supposed to go last year and meet Jen, and I couldn't um, because of Candace and everything, if you know my backstory, whatever. Uh, and... We're not going there today. Snoop harder and you'll figure it out. (laughs) So I was super happy to go this year. And that was like, there are so many layers of things that for me as a designer, but also as a knitter and someone that's been knitting garments, you know, for myself since I was like 20, I am so excited to see uh, people whose work I liked and people whose work I still like. That was very cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we got to do a really rewarding event at String Theory. We met about a dozen mm-hmm. knitters. Um, you know, for me, nothing really compares to connecting with knitters in person. Mm-hmm. Um, just online is great. I love my online relationship so much. But the chance to connect with knitters and answer their questions and see what they're actually working on in real time, nothing beats it. Just nothing beats it.
1: Yeah. And there's, you know, everything that we do online is like Jen and I, our brands are very much ourselves. You know, we're not like trying to be different versions of ourselves on this podcast or anything, but at the same time, I, I always feel like I wonder if people out there are actually getting to know me for me. And I think it's harder to really meet someone for reals, right? Like if you don't have that in-person interaction and connection with them. And so like the chance to be seen by people in a way that feels, um, super connected is amazing. And the chance to see and hear from people, since we're usually like, I'm talking and staring at my camera right now.
0: (laughs) So like talking to eyes is incredible. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. For sure. and that's where we met heather from Mm -hmm. in st louis Mm -hmm. and you know we ended up meeting her at string theory and we ended up meeting her hi heather um several times throughout h and h and we're really lucky to have a conversation with her so should i see up the conversation yeah yep this is welcome to this episode (laughs) we're gonna talk about formula patterns so, whether it's patterns with algorithms or patterns that are called sizing with spreadsheets, that's what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I put off having this conversation for about 18 months and I feel like I'm ready. So, should we play the bump bump?
1: Bum um, bum
0: bum. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're back. (laughs) We are back. Um, Yeah. I'm excited and a little nervous. And I think you're a little nervous too to have this conversation because Jen and I are extremely fit focused, not just designers, but makers. Like when I knit myself something, I also want it to have very detailed components, very detailed schematics. And I want, I want to know, I don't know, I'm just used to what I'm used to, right? I want to know what I'm getting into. I wanna be able to see what I might need to modify. And um, so because we're so interested in size inclusivity and fit, people often want to talk to us about this topic because it feels like a solution to a lot of people when you hear about a pattern that costs custom make itself basically for your measurements. Um, and being upfront, both Jen and I, obviously we don't design this way. And I think we've had a lot of resistance to these patterns in the past. A lot of questions, a lot of questions. I don't have experiences, strong experiences with them, but we have taken the time to look underneath the hood of several patterns, uh, before having this conversation purchased, used, looked through, so that we could be speaking from the most open place because uh, Heather and other people who really do believe in this as a possible solution, you know, y'all have convinced us to give this conversation and this way of working a chance. So I'll say that up front.
0: (laughs) As a human, just to show up as a human. Right. Like I have developed a methodology for creating patterns that is truly the one I believe will give people the shortest route to the fit that I would want to have for myself. And like you said, we are both very fit focused and that's not everybody's number one priority. Or like if that's 90% of the, you know, we talk about fit knit to, or designed to fit versus designed to knit. Like I'm like 10% Mm -hmm. designed to knit and 90% designed to fit. I will contort ourselves to get a great fit. Um, And so for other, so I have designed a methodology for creating patterns that communicate information about how to create the size that you want, that I do feel is the best way to achieve that. And so sometimes when people can come into my space and be like, oh, but you have a few, but what about this? Why don't you just do this thing? Like, it's often in a space where there isn't room to have a nuanced conversation. Instagram, right? Like I'm not, it's not the best place. (laughs) Something fell. Uh,
1: no, that was cookie. That was cookie. No, being like, it was a,
0: uh, um, it was one of my phone <laughs> <foam> paddles.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: well, my dog went, Ooh, cause she was she like, didn't like it. she felt it. it was she's protecting your, your Instagram space. <laughs> Thank you, cookie. So I'm brighter now. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it's a really nuanced conversation and what the too long didn't read version for me. And I think for you is the things that these patterns would have to do to achieve the kind of fit that we want our knitters to have would require a programming investment of like $5,000 per pattern,
1: at least $10,000 yeah.
0: per pattern. Right. And we'll because talk more about those details. Yeah. By the way, the patterns that
1: Jenna and I and other people who are extremely fit focused produce cost a lot more off the bat already than most other patterns. Even for garments, because just for the fact that even if there were no math involved, 26 pages of editing words is a lot more expensive than four. And when math is involved, you know, that that number is multiplied significantly. So for us to say we think the investment is realistic, is unrealistic, right, is like we are people who are investing a lot. Into our work already, and more than you might
0: expect. Yeah. For a pattern, yeah. And for people who don't know, I was an accountant who focused on using spreadsheets and was the go-to spreadsheet expert in my area. Um, That's true. In my place, of Jen loves spreadsheets for like 13 years, right? And so she it's... loves Excel. <laughs> yes. Yes, and I'm married, to... and I'm married to a programmer, right? So I have some basis for that set of assumptions. Does every pattern, is every knitter going to expect what we expect from a pattern? No, right? And so no. the big nuance here is that there's the too long, didn't read episode for this whole episode is it depends, right? But what haven't yeah. really challenged me to do was to quit saying it. It's not. it's not there. It's not available, right? The price is too high right now for what I think I want. But we haven't defined that out loud, what we think we want. Um, And we'll never get it. It's a form of radicalism, right? To say, I want what's not available Mm -hmm. and that thing should exist. So- Well, exactly, yeah. Yeah. So part of what I want to do by the time we wrap up here is to talk about what those patterns would have to do for me to feel good recommending them to my audience based on my my knitting values. Yeah. Which don't have to be everyone's knitting values.
1: For me, this is like what it would need to be for me to think it's feasible to design one of my designs that way, Good. because the way that I want to design right now, and I'm not talking about what I do in the, in the background, I'm right. talking about what I'm doing with the grading and the fit that, um, that doesn't feel available right now in this methodology. But certainly what is available with this methodology is very comparable to the basic patterns that exist that have very little shaping in the first place, you know, that a lot of people do like to knit. So I can see why a lot of people like this methodology and I see potential there. But yeah, I certainly, I put together a list of like, if I was going to do this, what would it need to do for me to like produce a pattern that is. Basically the same pattern that I have now, but one where someone could input their measurements and it would come
0: out for them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. um, for anybody who saw the episode I did by myself, I'm using little cue cards because they help me stay on track. And this is a high stakes conversation for me. And so if you see me looking at my cue cards, I don't want to mess up. Um, I also
1: have notes. Cooks, cookie is getting high stakes. <laughs> All right, we're back.
0: <laughs> Great. So so for me, I think we have two goals with this conversation, right? And that's to help knitters understand the trade-offs that we're making. For me, these formula-based patterns are just a different way of communicating information to the knitter to help them get their desired product, right? So we make trade-offs mm-hmm. even in what I'll call a static pattern uh, in pattern. For sure. Training right? Like at For the sure. same time, shaping versus spelling it all out. There's trade-offs there. So mm-hmm. there's also trade-offs here. Um, and I think that one of our goals here is just to understand what's, what's in them and what you can expect and what the trade-offs are and who might be um, and help knitters who are watching decide what the shortest route is to the finished product they want to have. Because mm-hmm. different knitters are going to get a different result there. Yeah, for sure.
1: And I think we've said before on this podcast and I stand behind, if a pattern gives you the information that you need up front to decide if you like it, then it is a good pattern, right? So however it is designed, if you get the information that you need up front and you are then able to use the pattern to make the thing you want that you expect it to make, then it's a good pattern, right? I feel like you have more criteria than that.
0: I do. I feel like a a pattern makes an inherent promise that it's designed to fit on human bodies and it needs to deliver on that in every size.
1: Well, yes, I agree. (laughs) You and I do agree with that, but I'm not going to tell someone that's knitting a pattern that I don't think has fit. That I don't think fits well, that it doesn't fit them well if they like it. You know what I mean? Sure. Does it not fit them well? I mean, sure. It still doesn't fit them well because you and I both have said like fit isn't really subjective fit either is or isn't there, but people like things that don't fit them well a lot. So yeah. that is like, then I, I feel at the end of the day that it's like if the emotional satisfaction is there for the knitter, then it was good. But it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think something that you're pointing out is that it's very hard for a lot of people to have emotional satisfaction when their finished product doesn't fit them well. And certainly for me, that was the case. And for Jen, that was the case. And probably if you're watching our podcast and in our audience, you probably feel similarly because that's what we're about, right?
0: Yeah. So we always love to do a little bit of values and gray space and nuance talk, right? So again, mm-hmm. Whatever you enjoy knitting is fine. The pursuit of fit is not critical to being an excellent knitter. It's a separate hobby. Mm -hmm. Um, And as we'll talk about, well, first I'll just say now, thank you to the knitters that I talked to. And I know best you've talked to some um, who have given us their opinions on working with these types of patterns and shared their experiences. Mm. And they run the gamut, right? I talked to two knitters who are in very similar sizes and, You know, one was extremely unhappy with a product that she knit from one of these patterns. And um, we will not be naming any patterns. And I talked to somebody else who loved their result with it. So different people are going to have different experiences with these. And we want to help you figure out what your experience will be with them to see if they're right for you. Right. So I feel like, look,
1: should we just get out of the way the things that we do not love about this way of working?
0: Yeah, I think we should do pro cons to these types of patterns. Um, But first, I just want to say, I keep saying formula-based because whether it's an algorithm or a spreadsheet, both of those are going to do number crunching behind the scenes to give you a set of numbers. Um, Yeah. What's the difference between those two types of pattern? The software you use to write it, whether you use Excel or whether you use programming language. So it's not really different. It's just... The ones in programming language, in my experience, tend to preso- produce a more sophisticated result. They'll generate a pattern in your size, rather than right, having they'll you generate like a, a PDF. Right. Okay.
1: Okay. Because something that I prefer in my knitting experience is definitely like to work from a PDF and not to be working from Excel. And some of the sizing with spreadsheets patterns. There's, like, a limited amount of aesthetic styling done in the finished, like, Excel spreadsheet, but it's still in Excel, so there's still, like, all of the unused boxes around, and it's just not the same experience for me, like, at all. Um, Yeah. To look at, or to the portability of it and the readability of it, even if they're fairly short, it is affected by the fact that it's in, like, a a data program, not a publishing program.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The other piece of nuance I want to add before we launch into opinions is that it can be very difficult to separate grading from pattern style here. So several Mm. of the things that I will tell you, because I pulled one of these patterns and put my numbers into it. um, Me too. Several of the things I did not like about the finished result were grading. Yeah. So it can be very important to say that 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 difference exists. You can have a poorly graded spreadsheet pattern that gives you a number you don't like because the grading is bad. Yeah. It makes a huge difference.
1: Yeah. And also vice versa, like something Jen and I both know very well is that you might really like the grading that I do and the way that I fit a finished product, but you might not like the style in which I write my pattern, right? That's still going to be separate from the, the grading is the math, the grading is the decision-making. And someone has to do that, whether they're plugging that information into an algorithm or an Excel document and the result, any kind of pattern for a garment that we have, someone's graded it and someone's made choices. And I agree, I started with that comment about the aesthetics just because you said that was like the main difference between those types of patterns, but Yes. One of the things that I found the most challenging in terms of getting on board with any of the patterns I looked at is that the grading was, at best, it was unsophisticated, right? And the numbers that it produced were, like, it just wasn't. The schematic didn't feel very complete, and what I saw wasn't in line with what I with what works with what I think works for grading for a body like at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that you couldn't create that with better grading, but strong grading and strong fit are really sophisticated. So it seems that even a simple garment pattern created this way is not simple to produce. So it, that's where like I keep getting stuck myself and like in order for it to be more sophisticated, it must take a, quite a lot of behind the scenes work for
0: something yeah, like shoulder shaping. Let me, let shape, me give it, an example, right? right? So um, we know that when you have a tight turn around your neckline, you need shaping in the ribbing or it's going to flare. Mm-hmm. In the pattern that I put in, It was a set in sleeve and it did not ask for my cross shoulder. It based it on my full bust. So we know right Right. off the bat, that's not sophisticated fit at all. And it just assumed my shoulder size based on my full bust, which is the opposite of what we know we should be doing for fit. Now, this pattern does let you go in and make an adjustment. And so you needed to be a sophisticated knitter right away. You need to be sophisticated Mm -hmm. at fit to know to go in and adjust that measurement. So right off the bat, Grading con one, grading con two, when I did that, I need to make the neck much more narrower than projected. The pattern that I picked did not have shaping in the raglan neck or in the the ribbing for the neckline. In the neck width that I need to fit my shoulders, it needs that. When I, as a pattern writer do that, I use my ribbing gauge to calculate the stitch pickup around the entire yoke or Mm -hmm. around the entire neckline. And then I look at where those tight turns are and I make executive decisions about how many stitches to remove through shaping, through what areas. I don't remove it evenly around the neck. The back of our neck, the bind off there is straight. If we add a curve there, it's going to distort it. We need it usually around here. So Mm -hmm. the pattern I picked was a V-neck and it didn't have that. And so when I made that shorter, I know that that's going to pucker. But But the job of going through and calculating all those stitch pickups and then subge- like, it's very subjective to decide which ones to round to yeah. get to the stitch counts you need, because, okay, if you're going to go from six to four, right, if you're going to decrease in ribbing, you're going to go from six to four in some areas, you might go from five to four in other areas. So how big are those areas? What do you do to get those stitch counts to match? And this mm-hmm. pattern would do that, right? That would be very difficult to write that yeah. into a spreadsheet formula. I It's subjective how you, when I like, do
1: it also like what number of like so when we design ribbing this way we include extra pearl stitches right. to reduce out that's right to make sure that they are pearl stitches so that it's fairly invisible in the in the final collar so then how many of those do you add and where exactly do they go and that's not something that like i am not the most supreme excel spreadsheet user unlike Jen I learned to use Excel so that I could become a knitwear designer like that's I'm from art the art world that's the first time I needed it I've probably used it like once or twice but clearly what I'm saying is that I'm not like a super sophisticated excel user but Jen is so If she is unable to have a formula that does that for her well, then I don't believe there is one that I would find that would do that for me well. It's the kind of thing that we have to really decide as a human looking at a thing and being like, this is where that's going to work.
0: Yeah. I also will, for the one that I pulled, I would rewrite the sleeve hole shaping. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: there's a certain, there's a lot more stitches to decrease because I narrowed my shoulders. and The shape of the um, curve that was generated is a lot like an L, right? It finds off big chunks and then every other row some. It's not going to be a pretty curve. So when Mm -hmm. I write a pattern, I go in and I often plot those curves using grid paper that's custom for the gauge I'm working in. And so I would already need to rewrite that because the spreadsheet and I use one of the more sophisticated products on the market. It didn't write a pretty curve. Right. So in order for me to be happy with the way that this would be done in a spreadsheet pattern, it would need to use like a graphing calculators, you know, calculus tools to draw that curve. And then Mm -hmm. like whatever software is beneath a 3D printer to calculate how many just per row that is at each data point. I'm not doing that it's Excel. Right.
1: It's extremely advanced. It's just not it's so I think we're making a distinction here in the types of patterns that Are possible to be produced by this software at this moment and um, even I will say that like while all uh, many of these patterns are marketed to include everyone and the one that I downloaded was also marketed to include any yarn that was false that was totally false because the gauge range the smallest gauge was 21 stitches which as i said to jen you might you might as well be knitting what did i say It's knitting with ropes or something for me like 21 stitches is huge yeah. it's huge for me um i don't even remember the last time i worked at that gauge like even when i work tk weight i feel like i'm working at a tighter gauge than that most of the time maybe not maybe i'm just appalled because everything i've been knitting lately, lately is like 30 stitches <laughs> for four inches.
0: I mean, but... this is on my list too, right? Like, hot take fibers don't behave the same, right? Mm-hmm. The grading decisions you make are not the same for different fibers. I make different right. grading decisions at the top and bottom of my range. There's different decision yeah. making,
1: right? That's why there's I have a wool making. tea pattern. I have a wool tea pattern and a cotton tea pattern, y'all. There, there's a very reason. similar
0: silhouette and they're very different patterns.
1: They're very different. Yeah. That's right. And there's a reason um so, yeah so, so that's real which is a yarn selection situation but you know i i think i would like it better if the marketing around a lot of these patterns was more specific um because it
0: over promises
1: yeah i i felt the ones that i w- was looking at were over promised because there was a defined range for the sizes there was a defined range for the gauge there was a defined range and the amount of measurements that were requested was nowhere near the amount of measurements that we use in even a simple pattern which means that there are still many measurements that were assumed and those numbers were not given in the schematic anywhere so for me as an outlier in my size I do not trust that that would fit me. I don't trust that at all because the schematic didn't tell me the information I need to check the areas that for me I often modify. And they didn't ask for the information that for me is an outlier in my size. So, right. and if and if a pattern is determining that your cross shoulder based on your full bust, then the majority of people are going to be outliers, I feel like. Right. Like, so
0: many people are
1: going to be we outliers know in that. <laughs> the ones, I will say the ones I looked at actually did ask for upper bust, but they, I don't think, um, some of that's them cool. asked, none of them asked for very many measurements. Some of them asked for measurements that seemed like, okay, that's feels appropriate for like a very basic tank. Let's say, um, others, I felt like were not asking for the amount of measurements
0: that I needed to trust that it was actually generating something that fit me. Yes, so we know that these programs are making assumptions about some of your measurements if they're only asking for five measurements. And so Um, that right
1: there, to me, breaks the promise of it fitting everyone.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's the part for me too, is that people will say, this is going to be custom to fit you, but it's not really. And you're still going to need to make modifications. That's the thing. Now, these patterns can work very well For knitters who often have to do a huge amount of modifying anyway. So for the knitters out there who um, have like a size two top and a size seven bottom, and they exist, all permutations Mm -hmm. of bodies exist. This can provide them a better starting point than a pattern where they're going to have to go in and unpick it all and drop it into a spreadsheet of their own anyway. So anytime well, but a but it knitter... only provides that if it provides a complete schematic. If it does not mm-hmm. give you, for example, the armhole depth. The one I looked at does provide a schematic. A schematic
1: was provided, but it had four measurements in it.
0: It oh, had but... only
1: the measurements that it asked for. It didn't have any of the measurements that it assumed. So that means that I'm blind to a lot of these choices that were made for me in the pattern. So yeah. that was a big, I mean, I don't think that that is impossible to overcome, but that was a big, it requires a lot more programming, I think, to be upfront about what choices were made behind the scenes. I'm not sure, yeah. but.
0: Which is it also just true with standard there. patterns, right? So across the board, we recommend only buying things where you're going to get a complete schematic.
1: Yeah. 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 And um, so that, yeah. Because. Without a schematic that gives you the lengths of several key measurements and the widths of several key measurements of the garment, then you are going to have to do a lot more work to modify if you do want to modify it a lot more work. So that feels um, like not the right product for
0: our people that want a lot of fit and probably modify things. Let's do some pros real quick, right? So it will generate Mm -hmm. something that matches your body measurements if it's done well. Uh, The good ones will allow you to make adjustments, right? So I was able to go in and make those adjustments. I did need to have the skill base to do that. And for knitters who have to merge sizes, this can cover more ground and get you to that endpoint more quickly. I feel like certain constructions lend themselves more to this than others. Bottom up, set in sleeve, classic example. I have yet mm-hmm. to see a raglan that I think does this. I'm not going to say anything. Raglans are very fussy. Raglans are fussy.
1: Yes. Set-in sleeves, as I've often said, are easy to easier to design and work from and modify in my opinion. I mean not yes. necessarily easier to knit than an all-in-one raglan, but a set-in sleeve offers a product finished Knitting pattern where you can, even if the schematic isn't great, it is easier to figure out how many rows, how many stitches. It is a lot easier to calculate and figure that out because it's a more straightforward pattern. The sleeves are not worked at the same time as the chest. So you are able to figure out like that chest width and adjust it if you need to. So, set and sleeve patterns offer um, also a more straightforward way of getting there i think
0: yeah so there are a few other things with the pattern that i demoed um which is not one that i've worked directly one-on-one with knitters i have several other spreadsheet patterns that knitters have brought to me for one-on-one consultations to pay me by the hour to help them fix either because it produces a null result like a negative number of rows to knit or it creates something that is not going to fit their body well So I think part of my resistance to these patterns also comes from having to help knitters who then invest another $30 to $60 in fixing their pattern, right? Not that that hasn't also been the standard with standard patterns, right? That also happened, but it's disproportionately the people who need to pay to help me finish their patterns when they get to standard parts. Are these And that's fair, but that can
1: produce a skewed understanding just to be fair, because like for me- Which is why I wanted
0: to seek out other knitters.
1: Yeah. Like for me as a yoga teacher, and Jen even knows this, we've had long conversations about it. My whole life as a yoga teacher for 17 years, I've been working therapeutically with folks, right? And helping people heal from injuries privately. That is where most of my time has been spent and is still spent. That's what I, the part of my teaching career that I still do. And so, 17 years, I've been seeing people who, were made worse by their physical therapists, right? Who like physical therapy and Pilates messed them up and nothing helped. And then they come to yoga and then I help them. So at some point in my career, I did become very biased against other types of therapeutic work. And then at some point after that, I like realized that and had to, walk it back and be like, I am only seeing the failures, right? Like I'm getting the failures. They're getting the failures of yoga people who mess up too. So it's not like, you know, the people who have developed these products, they've developed them because they're looking for a solution to problems that they've seen. So yes, for some people, this does solve their problem. So we're, you know, it's important to acknowledge that. But we're all in different corners of garment making. And the corner that Jen and I live in um, is just a different corner. Yeah. yeah. And
0: so as we were doing this experience, we wanted to pull patterns that, because we paid for them, that we think mm-hmm. we might knit one day, right? I don't want to spend money on something I'm not going to knit one day. And so I picked a fairly straightforward um, stockinette stitch, v neck A-line tunic design. Um and here's the changes I had to make, right? And so several of these I was able to make before I hit, give me my pattern, right? So like I said, I had to remove four inches from the cross front because of the assumptions baked Oof. into the grading. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted like 13 my inches entire here, it was cross, 17.
1: My entire cross front, front range is only like eight inches or something, it's not that much. Right, right. Interesting. That's interesting because mm-hmm. you're right no. in the middle. Uh, the cross front was well, 17 inches. Well, you're on the low across. end of the middle of the size of my size range.
0: Yeah, I'm about a third of the way up. Um, I also had to reduce one inch from the sleeve length, and that's because this particular one, instead of asking you to give it your arm, it asks you your preferred sleeve length from the underarm. Your preferred yeah. sleeve length changes based on the on your cap height. So I had to wait until it generated a rough draft of my cap height because the cap should start where the cross front ends and then measure down and then subtract out the cap to get my actual desired. Otherwise, I would have had bunching in here because my wrist would have been pushing the sleeve up. So I had to go in and edit that. That's a grading decision. I always base the sleeve length based on the cap height. So Mm -hmm. that's a grading decision that is reflexivity not built into this fancy algorithm. Um, like I said, the underarm shaping, I didn't like that. I'll need to rewrite that. Um, but also it didn't have any ease in the underarm.
1: Yeah. At all. I had trouble finding any of these patterns to generate something for my bicep. And even the ones that did were like negative ease in the bicep, which I hate. I'm sorry. I hate that. I hate that. So, um, I mean, clearly someone
0: likes it, but I, I don't like that. So it felt, yeah. Yep. So (laughs) not only that, but there was only two rows of shaping for the shoulders. So I knew that there was going to be some flaws in that area anyway, because I could see it in the modeled version, but there's no shoulder shaping and there's no arm side ease. It's not going to fit. It's going to pull, it's going to strain. It's going to be uncomfortable. Um, So I was able to adjust the arm side depth, not the shoulder depth. You're not able to adjust that ahead of time. But I was able to adjust all those other things, um, those lengths at least, and those widths before I put it in. But post-generating it, I'll need to rewrite the underarm. I'll need to add depth to the shoulders. I'll rewrite the color to include that shaping that we talked about earlier. Um, Yeah. So I will say that there's advantages to being able to adjust all that. Like, I didn't have to adjust for my hip to my waist. Also the Mm -hmm. easiest thing to adjust. Um, Well, yeah, that is like the easiest area to make adjustments though.
1: But yeah. yeah. So clearly Jen and I didn't have the most positive experiences with this. And I don't think our minds have been changed, but I will say that still my conversation with Heather changed my mind on one thing, which is that I, I see value For people who like these types of patterns, I do see the value and I also see the potential, I suppose, but it feels like um, it feels like the technology isn't there yet right now for me to be able to like, I almost feel like my design process would go backwards to produce one of these patterns I would have to simplify my fit techniques and my grading techniques in a way that I feel like I've worked pretty hard to develop them to a point where they're at. And I want, I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to like throw anything away. So yeah, I mean, if there is, we also have had conversations with people who are, engineers and, and programmers and stuff about like what it would take to, to do what we want from these patterns. And it would be a very, very, very extensive programming process to have the level of finesse that a very fit focused pattern has in, um, in these auto-generated patterns. It's like, kind of like how, like, sure shopify is like do you want me to generate some text for this product page and i'm like sure okay but then i'm like oh my gosh and you're going to fix it <laughs> who wrote this and then i like throw it no all one. away <laughs> because it's just not me you know it's just not my voice and it's just not what i do and i'm i'm not against using tech and ai and everything but I want it to be at a point where it's doing what I want it to do before yeah. I use it.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the things that would be on our checklist mm-hmm. for a whole heart endorsement of a pattern that did this, right? So we already talked about it. We need to schemat- generate a schematic that was at least associated with a line drawing. The line mm-hmm. drawing for me does not have to be responsive. We don't expect that from a standard pattern. I would not expect that from... But it needs to have all the measurements that a knitter needs to make an informed choice about mods that they want to make. Yes, which is a lot of measurements, by the way. Like, it's not
1: four. It's not seven. My current releases, yeah, I usually go through, like, M or O in the alphabet. So however many letters that is, it's a significant amount of letters.
0: (laughs) We talked about, for me, it would need to use Calc to draw a curve. And make sure mm-hmm. that it's making a nice curve that's going to fit well without puckering or creating weird corners or gaps in the underarm.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, I would
1: want it to be able to, to take my data and use it across multiple patterns as well. Like, I want measurements that give clear instructions on how to get those measurements um, when they're asking for them. And then I would like... If I'm going to be purchasing multiple patterns from the same designer, like an account where those measurements can live, sort of like the My Body and Model some, folks. Some offer
0: that. Mm-hmm. Some do oh, okay. offer Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so
1: <laughs> I like that part. Um, mm-hmm. But I wanted some clear guidance on how to get measurements, and I want to see standardized measurement names also. Yeah.
0: Yeah, One of the sites I reviewed in their help section lists this as a problem. Um, It's Mm -hmm. like in their FAQs, it's like, why is my underarm bad? It's like, well, this is really hard to measure. Right. And so when you're having people measure themselves, you know, I know from my work in fit that that's very hard for people to do. Um, yeah. And even shared language, even very expert knitters that I talk to regularly don't know how to measure their own underarm. And it's one of the hardest ones to get right on yourself. Yeah. Um, and so I would recommend for anybody who wants to try one of these patterns, a get help measuring, ideally go into a yarn shop where somebody who's knowledgeable about fit can help you or be yeah, like a sewing shop. Yeah. Or B use an existing garment that you own like a button down to get that measurement. It's a straight vertical measurement. It's, it goes from here straight down. Don't mm-hmm. wrap it around your arm. It's not a circumference. Um, it's just the, nu- it's gonna help you figure out how many rows are knit from that underarm bind off to the outer point of your shoulder, right? So mm-hmm. there's a little fit tip. If you're using one of these patterns, that's your arm size measurement and that is gonna drive your underarm depth. And you do want a little ease under there. Yeah, you want some ease under
1: there. Um, what do I have on my list?
0: So, yeah, so these patterns are subject to measuring error. Now, other patterns are too, but at least there's an assumption baked on so that if you're just measuring, if you just want something that fits you well, you have something that's turnkey. Yeah. Yeah. I want fine finishing.
1: That's what I said. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of fine finishing out of these patterns, and that's something else that I care a lot about.
0: Yeah, yeah. fine finishing, and that gets back to the shaping and the neckline, right? Like, I want a oh, high-quality neckline. Um, yeah. I have On my list, uh, we talked about not recommending multiple fibers. And so for me, that's because the weight of the fiber that you use and the properties of that fiber are going to affect those grading decisions that you make. So heavy, slippery yarn, I'm going to make very different assumptions about what's going to happen to that neckline as it goes up and down the grade. And that's subjective. So, yes, I'll make decisions based on that that could be baked into a formula. But once something's baked into a formula, you can't really change it so unless Mm -hmm. you're gonna have your formula capture that somehow i don't see how you can promise that something will work for any yarn i would need to see it be like for this yarn here are the assumptions i have that i have that
1: too i want specific gauge specific fiber information for the pattern up front and i don't think that should really be as changeable because it just it just isn't really you know if you go through the back library of this podcast, we have several episodes on how fiber and gauge affect the construction and durability and wearability and grading choices. It's just not the same.
0: Yep. So for example, we know that in heavier garments, sleeves pull more on our necklines, making them wider and shallower. And so if we're working in a Loftier yarn, we might not adjust for that as much as we would with a slippery superwash. So a slippery superwash Mm -hmm. that's seamless, I'm going to make that neckline, especially in the larger sizes, deeper and narrower, knowing Mm -hmm. that it's going to behave itself a certain way, you know? And so promising somebody that they can sub that out for a lofty yarn, they're going to have a deeper, narrower neckline than somebody who used the yarn that I wrote it for. So that's what what, what I mean when I say you can't make a promise that's that broad and have it behave that way.
1: Yeah, because even like... When I've seen, you know, back to my same example, but I designed the Alice T because testers who tested the Anna T in plant fibers did not have the same result. It just didn't look the same. It wasn't the same vibe. And in order to make that same vibe with the plant fiber in the same weight yarn, you know, it was, it's just a different design. It's a different sweater. So... I don't think that a pattern needs to be the only pattern you ever purchase. You know, Um, I think people get more benefit out of a pattern that says like, this is for a plant fiber fingering weight yarn um, than one that says like, use whatever you want, because that can be confusing to people.
0: Yep. What else is on your list? The intended ease is clear throughout.
1: The pattern yeah. the intended ease in each area so like not just the sleeve and the bust yeah um. <clears throat>
0: i want additional shaping in the torso i don't know if patterns include this or not but it would be a must for me so if the promise is custom then if I only need to make a two-inch change between my bust and my hip, you can put that in at the sides. But if I'm somebody who needs a 14-inch change, at some point that pattern has to tick over and start giving me shaping in the front, back, and sides.
1: Yeah, I said, I have more complex shapes need to be able to be generated. I yeah. need bust arts, I want, you know, because I can't knit something for my full bust just based on my full bust. I already know that.
0: I don't want to go back to that. Like right. And dart <laughs> shaping is something that should be very easy to add into these patterns. It's one of the easiest things we grade, frankly. It is if they ask for the right measurements. That's right. That's right. Uh, these patterns need to never create a null result. No negative yeah. rows, no negative stitches. To yeah, they need create to a work... pattern that has instructions that say, if you get a negative result, figure it out or contact the designer is harm. That causes harm. Yeah, Imagine being fair. somebody who's been promised a custom fit garment Specially designed to address the needs of plus size knitters. And then you get out there and it's like, oh, but not you. But not you. Right. I -hmm. mean, that's the thing. If
1: you're going to promise custom fit, then you're calling to the outliers. And if I am a straight sized, small sized person, right, that like when you wear a size two, there's not a lot of complaints that you can make about like availability and accessibility, right? Like everything's available in my size, supposedly. But if I am like outraged that I won't be able to make the modifications that I need as an outlier in my size, I feel that somebody who is more of an outlier and who has not been accepted as much as I have in the world of fashion, et cetera, it's like, I'm getting emotional, honestly. It feels really heartbreaking to me That, you know, those limits are not defined up front. Those limits are not defined in a lot of these patterns of like generated to custom fit size, but only in these parameters, which actually doesn't make it very different from a pattern that has all
0: of that already done. And that information is out there right up front. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, It needs to consider the way bodies are shaped, but also the way that those pieces fit together, Right. There's a subjective thing we do where we're like, well, what's going to happen when I put those pieces of fabric together? How are they going to behave? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. When I seam that sleep together, is it going to do something dumb? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yes.
1: There's a lot of experimenting and finessing. And I also wonder how it's possible to get. So, something that I would need is that I need to be able to incorporate tester feedback in specific sizes. Because sometimes I receive feedback from like just one size that something isn't working right. Like especially let's say the curve of an arm size or the curve of a neckline. This just hasn't happened in a while because my grading practices have gotten pretty tight. But if you have an error in your grading principles somewhere, then without set sizes, it must be difficult to run that through test, incorporate even if you have someone that's like, This is my size. I wear it all the time, right? This neckline needs to be like a little. For me, it feels like you must have to like rewrite the whole program and start all over again. I don't know. I'm not sure, but I'm not sure that it seems sophisticated enough to be able to incorporate the kind of tech uh, feedback that I get that I want to incorporate for just specific versions. Like sometimes it's just like I said, sometimes just a few of the sizes or part of the range needs to be handled a little differently.
0: Yeah. What else is on your list?
1: I think we're almost done with my list. Um, I mean, I already said I need to generate a PDF that's aesthetically pleasing that has Yeah, the
0: last thing on my list is to create a pleasurable knitting experience. So we agree. Yeah, (laughs)
1: yeah. And I mean, you mentioned this in the beginning of the episode, but I want to say it again. This exercise for me, especially combined with just other things happening in my life, have really helped me to tune into the fact that people's expectations of a pattern are wildly fucking different. Wildly yeah. different. Just, you know, um, the like feedback that I sometimes receive about clarity or about like finessing something that I can be awfully hard on myself, y'all, in terms of like, this is not good enough. And this needs to be better, prettier, clearer. When I compare that to some of the other work that I see, it's not, it's not the same. So, um, I'm not saying that I'm better. I'm saying that I'm doing a different thing that is a lot more complex and, um, People who like that expect, like I do, and like Jen does, a high polish pattern because it's a lot of details and it can be confusing. And so, like, that's something that we're both always striving for and aiming towards. Um, And it feels like very difficult to get that from. An auto-generated thing right now. It like actually makes me nervous to think about what the twenty-six
0: pages of auto-generated text like would say. Oh my god! In the pattern. <laughs> not that it would have to be twenty-six pages if it were just one size, but it'd still probably be
1: eleven, at least. I mean, it it, it would be. It would still be a lot. Still be a a lot, lot, lot of those pages are not necessarily all that extra um but yeah it would be reduced by some amount
0: so so i feel like we know that these patterns the people who love them love them they feel like they've Mm -hmm. transformed their knitting practice right and it's hard for us to predict for any specific body who is going to be well served by them and who is not uh the people i talk to who really love them the most Were people who have to do a lot of work to modify their patterns anyway. And this saves Mm -hmm. them a lot of time and gives them a lot of transparency into the pattern. Mm -hmm. So the people who loved them came into them with the expectation that they were going to still need to modify a few things, which is also the Mm -hmm. standard that you and I have about a standard pattern. Yes, that is. I mean, it's not the promise necessarily that's made. Right. But that's the expectation. I would say that if you're curious about these patterns and what they do go ahead and find one and pay 10 to 12 bucks to try it out right but before you Mm -hmm. pass on before you buy yarn for it make sure that you like the result look for the same things that you would look for in any other pattern right look for shaping that matches your body like shoulder shaping and underarm shaping Um, Mm -hmm. make sure that the sleeve lengths and body lengths make sense for your height and if it doesn't ask you for your height See if you might wanna make an adjustment in that yoke depth, right? The same as you would any other pattern. So do all the same things that you would do for another pattern um, to assess those parameters. Yeah,
1: right now the patterns that we're seeing still require you to be um, a knowledgeable, fit-focused garment maker to produce a fine fit and a fine um, finish.
0: Which is fine because that's the expectation we have. So, after that, that it's just the expectation we have. Yeah, it's just a matter of which information delivery route do you prefer and which pattern gives you better tools to create the thing that you have in mind.
1: Mm -hmm. Who's offering you the best information? And just like with designs that are designed in a different way, you know, each designer is bringing their own particular perspective and flair and take. And so, I have only looked at a little bit of work. Jen has only looked at a little bit of work. I think Jen has seen uh, more than me,
0: but still... But probably a more skewed population too.
1: Maybe. I mean, a
0: lot of what I know about sizing with spreadsheets is like
1: talking to people and then looking into things for myself, but not necessarily knowing people who have actually worked from these patterns. So... Um, You know, I do know that some people really like it. Some people are really happy. And just like any other design process, I'm sure that these patterns produce something that works well for some people. And um, just like Jen said, I don't expect that my pattern works perfectly for every person. I do expect that advanced knitters and garment makers are going to make it their own if they need to and where they need to. So, yeah, that part isn't different. Um, But a little bit of the difference is like whether it comes from the people producing these things, the marketing, or it's just the general perception. I feel like the general perception seems to be like you won't have to do anything in order for this to be great and you'll love it. Um, and that's just probably not true right
0: now. Yeah. But not that's probably that not seeking. true. Totally the fit that maybe somebody else is feet seeking and that's fine. Uh, yeah
1: that's just yeah. probably not true with garment making at this point that like if you make garments then you you likely need to have strong understanding of your own body of schematics to make sure that the garments you're making fit you how you would like them to does that feel I fair think that's to a, say
0: that's a big part of what we're doing here right um we put together this podcast because we want to help People get a better fit in any of their knits, not just the ones we designed. We think fit is really important to everyone. We think having this information out there is important for designers um, mm-hmm. and for knitters alike. And so, you know, my. I feel like we is... should have called our podcast
1: Fit Fix and Chill.
0: Did <gasps> we miss back. out? No, let's change it. <laughs> Can let's we change, change it? it now? Let's change it. <laughs> Let us know if you think we all should right. change it. I think we probably should. <laughs> we talk a lot about fit.
1: That's all I'm saying. And but what Jen is saying is 100% true. We started with this podcast feeling like people need to understand fit better so that they can get the finished garments that they really want and deserve to get. And, and that's what we want to help you with, whether you're using that information with a you know, an auto-generated pattern or someone else's pattern or our own patterns, like that doesn't matter. Or you're a sewist or a crocheter or or whatever you're doing, like these principles are the same. We have a knitting lens, of course, because we are knitting people and we're going to be looking through like rows and stitches that way. But crochet is the same. It's just rows and stitches, but their stitches are just so fat.
0: You know, I feel like if I had to sum up... After talking this through out loud, right? Because I've been doing a lot of research. I've been doing a lot of writing. I'm going to write more about this on the blog. I think my too long didn't read version is just treat these patterns like you would any other pattern and see if you mm-hmm. like what you're going to get. You, you might. Yeah. It might be a faster route for you. It might be a more pleasurable knitting experience for you. It might be a better fit for you. And that is what we want for
1: everyone. You know, um, we want you all to be happy with your knits. We want you to be happy with your garments. So I think, like I said in the beginning, any way in which you are reaching a point where you're happy, that's great. But if you are looking for sophisticated conversations around fit, they're just not happening in the auto-generated space as of yet, is what it feels like.
0: Yeah, in the complexity and the sophistication of the fit. That's right. We yeah. haven't seen any with shaping in the neckline.
1: No. Yeah, that might
0: not be important to everybody.
1: Yeah, I have seen just few that have even like where I started as a designer, that level of shaping and where I'm at now. I feel like that wasn't good enough for me. So that's how it feels.
0: <sighs> we probably don't need to encourage you to tell us what you think in the comments because this is an we area where people have a lot of strong opinions and we want to hold space for all kinds of nuance so if you yeah, love your spreadsheet okay generated if you disagree. Pattern, mm-hmm. yeah. i'm gonna toss out the questions i asked the knitters that i talked to in private messages right which is do if it. you'd love to share your experience with one of these patterns um how did it go did you like your finished product do you wear it um are you happy with the fit uh, do you think that there's something about your measurements that made you an extra good candidate for this type of pattern? I think that's helpful for other knitters to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you make mods? And if so, what mods did you make? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you again to everybody who helped shape this conversation. Right. Sorry.
1: I'm talking over you a lot today.
0: <laughs> a
1: big extra special to thank you to Heather, because, um, if we hadn't had such a long conversation with you, we would not have been inspired to dig deeper, to open up our minds, to open up this conversation. And our minds are still open. I'm not trying to take anything away from anyone. You know, I'm not trying to say that something shouldn't exist. It's out there. It exists. There's lots of patterns that don't approach knitting and garments in the same way that we do. That's fine.
0: And there's lots of knit patterns that have made knitters very happy. Very happy. Yeah. Yeah. And either way, you're going to have to make mods to get your perfect fit. I firmly believe every single person benefits from making at least one modification. Um, that's yes. the sewist lens, right? The sewist lens is I'm going to make mods. It's just a matter of which one. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not the lens that most knitters have. But, you know, that's my lens. It's, Even yeah, my patterns, that's right? I expect you to modify them.
1: Yes, that's the lens of our podcast. That's the lens of our of our lives That's why I offer so many different measurements in my schematic, because I want you to know exactly what you want to change if you want to change something and how you're going to do that.
0: Yeah. And being pushed to expand the conversation from, no, what's out there isn't what we want to do to, but what would it take? What would it take to get Mm -hmm. there? What would that look like? It's an act of radicalism. And again, thanks to Heather for encouraging us to hold space for that conversation. Mm -hmm. And thanks to everyone
1: um, for being here. And I guess that's all until next time, huh? Do we have any announcements, things? Do you have you no know, more cue cards? No, no more cue cards.
0: <laughs> Aren't they cute though?
1: Um, I like well, this. I'm I'll gonna say everyone. This. this episode is going to air on the 12th, Wednesday, the 12th, and then the following episode will air on July 26th, in which time both Jen and I will be older, so. Happy early birthday, Bestie. You too, Bestie. Our birthdays are this month and they're very close together. So um, thanks for being part of our extended community and uh, helping us to feel excited about this next year ahead of us.
0: Yeah. And we haven't decided what we're going to talk about next. So um, more on that in our respective spaces, the links for which are in the notes.
1: Seems to be a really good place for you guys to talk to us anyway. though was talk to us about what we should talk about here on our yeah. Instagrams, wherever. Send a pigeon.
0: Oh, it <laughs> might be small busts. Oh, yeah. Small the busts. Fabled knitting small bust adjustment.
1: We did tell everyone we're going to talk about small busts. So that is next, I think. I think. All right. XOXO. <laughs> Happy knitting. Happy knitting.